Well, good morning to each one of you who have assembled here in the Lord's house to worship him. And I hope that you can say today that you have given the Lord the best worship that you can give to him in song. And God, you know, he allows us to worship us, uh, worship him uh, through us and uh, many different ways. And one of the ways that we can do that is through our giving, and uh, we have a number of people who have been out sick. Let me remind you that you can still worship the Lord through your giving, and we check the mail here regularly, so uh, we invite you to be behind on your giving. Uh, help us keep the bills paid. Help us keep uh, the name of the Lord uh, glorified by keeping up uh, with our obligations and giving our treasurer funds to uh, pay the bills because the bills go on even uh, when the offerings don't and so I'll just throw that out for you it doesn't cost you a thing if you're online watching today we welcome you if you are a first timer we invite you to come back and be with us each week as we assemble here I do want to make mention of the fact that I started doing a uh, daily devotional I do that at 10 o'clock uh, each morning, I call that homebound for those people that are uh, sick, for those who are maybe retired or whatever situation, or maybe just sitting in your office, or maybe you work at home. Uh, if you'll take out just a few minutes, it usually don't last more than 15, 16 minutes. Trying to get it under 15 minutes is pretty hard to do that, but I'm working real hard at trying to, to keep that under the limits because I know people have other things to do. And I realize there's other people to, uh, that, that, uh, that do that. You know, I have one that I listen to at 8 o'clock. I have one I listen to at 9 o'clock. And then I'm at 10 o'clock. That's why I ended up at 10 o'clock because I didn't want to, to go in on somebody else's time. And so if you're available for that and if you do watch, well, just say howdy or hi or just hit the like button. Uh, and uh, that way I'll know how effective I am uh, being in reaching people. I don't want to just speak out there to the airways, okay? And so stick with me, and uh, hopefully this can be a blessing to people. That we do have people that are homebound, and uh, because of health reasons and other reasons, and so we want to be able to minister to them as well. And there's a lot of people that we don't know. One thing we've learned about going online is that we don't know where these are going to end. I've had people, when I did my live at five, I had people from all over the world that uh, were, were hearing that. And so I may change that time, and it just depends on how big a following I get. And things are different now. People are more uh, out there and, and uh, out of the house more so than they were in the very beginning. All right, today we're going to talk about the showdown at the Valley of Elah, and uh, if you've never been to Elah, and I have not been, I don't know, if you, did y'all go to the Valley of Elah? We didn't either, it's uh, kind of off bounds, uh, so we, uh, we went there, and it's, uh, we did not go there, but I've looked at numerous uh, pictures, and it's a typical type of, uh, even today, of, of a, a battlefield that sits between two mountains, and I guess that was the custom uh, during those days when people would, uh, uh, the, the armies would get uh, uh, 
one one army would get on one hill and the other would get on the other hill and then all in array and then they would go down and they would uh, and they would mix it up kind of like football game i guess you know anybody watch that football game last night and wow in the snow of green bay man goodness gracious i got cold just sitting there watching what what i watched out of it and so uh, the valley of, of uh, elah was a about 15 miles from Bethlehem, if you look in your, your Bible maps, you'll see that that's where it's at, kind of between Bethlehem and the Mediterranean Sea. But this is a familiar story. Uh, there it is, picture of it. Uh, and a uh, beautiful place, isn't it? And so you can see the, the two mountains, this side and the other side, where those two armies were, um, were met. Uh, it's a familiar story of David and a shepherd boy uh, who became, eventually became the, uh, the uh, hero and king of the nation of Israel, the most beloved king uh, that, they, uh, that they ever had. He was their favorite king. Uh, when you go to, to, to Jerusalem, you'll find that he is, uh, his tomb is there. You can go in and actually see uh, his uh, tomb. I don't know if we touched it or not, but I remember getting awful close to it. Uh, the Star of David uh, is uh, Israel's national emblem. And uh, if you go to Florence, Italy, uh, I'm told that they have the statue there of the famous Michelangelo's David there. It's about 14 feet from, from the bottom to the top. It's a stately thing. <clears throat> but uh, uh, this uh, battle that we're looking at today in, in, in 1 Samuel 17 is uh, David's finest hour. He was the uh, MVP of battles that day uh, in the Valley of Elah. And so today as we look at that, I want us to notice several things about this showdown uh, that they were having. First of all, let's look at Israel versus the Philistines at Elah. The Philistines uh, were uh, uh, enemies. <laughs> uh, they were probably the worst enemies that uh, Israel ever had. And it says, now the Philistines, this is in 17 verses 3, 1 through 3. The Philistines gathered together with their armies to battle and were gathered together at uh, Shachah, if that's the way you say that, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shachah and uh, Azath. And how you say that last one, I'll let you try. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah and set the valley, valley battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. That was this valley of Elah. And so, as we see here, Israel was a hated enemy, uh, and they, uh, Israel uh, had a, a giant problem. And literally, it was, a, it was a, a giant problem, because there was a fellow by the name of Goliath. Uh, and uh, Goliath wasn't uh, a, a, a giant. Uh, he was the giant. It's kind of like the old wrestler. Y'all old enough to remember Andre the Giant? He wasn't a giant. He was the giant. And the, uh, we don't know, sure, uh, archaeologists have not discovered this was a land of giants. 
they have uh, discovered, though, that this was a land that was occupied uh, by the Philistines. And so uh, he, he had a great advantage. Uh, he, he came before the people uh, as the giant. He was something like nine feet, nine inches tall. But he is, he'd probably have to duck to uh, reach that, uh, uh, go and reach that exit sign there. You want to know how, that, how high that is. He had a bronze T-shirt, uh, probably weighed about 175 pounds, someone said. <laughs> he was weighted down. He had a spearhead that was between 15 and 25 pounds, depending on which scholar you read after. And so uh, he was uh, he even had a helmet, and they say during those days, <clears throat> the Bible don't say it, but they weighed a helmet that he weighed, weighed about 30 pounds. So he came, and he had an armor bearer. A lot of times you see the... Um, pictures of Goliath and, and they show him holding his own shield but he didn't he had he had armor bearer and so <coughs> we uh, we we look at that and we we see that he had uh, uh, offered a challenge for about uh, several weeks in verses 8 through 10 he said he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them why are you come out to set your battle in array Am I not a Philistine, and you, the servants of Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me? And if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will I be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. And so this was a winner-take-all thing. If, uh, if they, they had Goliath and they wanted Israel to uh, come up with a, a, a warrior and to bring them together, and whoever was the winner, would their, their nation, other, the Philistines would be the winner, or Israel would be the winner, depending upon who won the battle between these two champions, and certainly uh, it was a, a tall deal. Now, we find that uh, Israel was uh, on the hillside. Uh, they were in all array uh, with tall Saul. He was a head and shoulders above uh, the rest of them. He was a tall guy himself, but uh, they were scared to fight this giant, <clears throat> and I understand uh, that. I mean, if you've ever uh, dealt with Tall people. I'm not like Aaron. He everybody see, he sees everybody short, but I look up to him, or look him in the navel, and uh, and so somebody's bigger, it's very intimidating. And so when Saul and all Israel heard these words, it says here in verse 11, they were dismayed and were greatly afraid. They were shaking in their boots, even though they were all organized. They had their People in array, kind of like we are. We've got our organizations, don't we? Baptists are well known. We've got our uh, organized uh, Sunday school. We've got our organized music program. Uh, preachers got their organized sermons. And we do everything decently in order as we should. But a lot of times we shake in our boots when it comes to getting the work of God done. And so here was Israel and here was Philistines on both sides of the mountain with the valley between them where the battle would take place between two men. If Israel could come up with 
one. Well, lo and behold, uh, right here we see David, uh, David's arrival. <clears throat> and uh, David left his carriage, the Bible says, in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and he ran to the army, and he, he saluted his brethren. However, I guess that was probably one of those holy kiss things. And he, he talked with them. Behold, he, they came up, then came up the champion, no, Goliath, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, and out of the armies of the Philistine, and he spake according to those same words to defy the armies of Israel to send the man. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And so there was little David. David had come to bring some... Uh, some cheese to his brothers and uh, give them something to eat and get news to send back to, uh, to, to their dad and how the war was going. And uh, lo and behold, who shows up but old Goliath. And uh, we kind of roused David up. And so here we find that uh, as you go ahead and you read the whole story, and I'm not going to read all of this because you're very, pretty familiar with it, plus it would take a long time but uh, they accused David of coming just to see the war and to see the battles and to go home and tell folks what, had, what was taking place, what he had saw. Uh, in seven, seven, in King, uh, verse uh, 17 and verse 25, then we, we see this challenge of Saul. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up and verily to defy Israel he has come up, and it shall be, and the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him. This is Saul, the king Saul's challenge. He will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. I don't know what that means, but nevertheless, <clears throat> we find that King Saul had challenged his men. Is there a guy out there? I will reward you openly if somebody, surely there's somebody that will come out and will have the nerve to fight this fellow by the name of Goliath. Surely somebody out there is willing and able uh, to do this job and to do it successfully. Now, remember, Saul was not willing to go himself. He was the king, number one, but he was the tallest guy around. And then we see David's focus. Little David, the shepherd boy, <clears throat> he was out taking care of the sheep. Uh, he was the youngest of the boys, and that was usually the job, I'm told, of the, the youngest boy to take care of the sheep. He, that was his job, and so he was out there doing that, and then uh, he uh, went to the uh, scene of the battle. And then we first, when we look at his focus, we see, first of all, he had a focus on a cause. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? What was David gotten himself into? I mean, you know, his heart was beating. It was racing. He was ready to go and to get this uh, uh, champion Goliath and take him down by the throat because he had defied the armies of God. He had defied the God of, of Israel. And so what did he do? Well, they said, uh, we look at his history as they had uh, said, you're just a young man. You could not whip this giant. There ain't no way in the world you could, you could fight this guy. It would not even be fair. And in verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the, of, of the paw of a lion and out of the paw of a bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to him, David, 
go and the Lord be with thee. <laughs> and so David said, I've got, I've got experience. I'm an experienced war, warfare because the Lord delivers me from a bear and a lion. And so his focus is on the cause. His focus is on the history. And his focus was on God. We go down to verse 36. And the servant slew both the lion and the bear. And know what he says here. Uh, he says, the living God. He said, I can, I can take this guy who has defied the armies of a living God. How many times do you see God mentioned in this thing? Well, uh, if I counted right, there's about 10 times. That was David's focus. David's focus was not on the giant. He saw through the eyes of God. And when you look through the eyes of God, giants become dwarfs. They become little. And you can go in his power. And so <clears throat> we find that uh, uh, there was a <clears throat> fear amongst the people. But David had a focus uh, on uh, the, uh, the Lord. His faith was on the Lord. Uh, and so remember this, that. Next time you face a giant, whatever he is, uh, you can uh, focus on God's presence. Focus on God's power, not upon the giant, because God is able to defeat anyone and everyone. And remember that. God has presence. God has plan. God has power. And then we see the showdown. David's showdown at Eli in verses 40 through 54. Now, I'd like to tell you this and dramatize this to you, but I'd probably mess it up. <clears throat> I, I, the way I tell it to my kids, they, they kind of liked it when they were little. And, uh, but uh, since you're big folks, I will, uh, I will take time to, to read this uh, account to you. It says he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, which, was, which he had. Now, remember that uh, if you look back, you'll find that Saul tried to armor him up with his armor. And David said, nah, this ain't going to work. Ain't no way in the world. It was too big, too heavy, didn't fit, whatever reason to take that stuff off. So he goes and he gets his shepherd's bag and he takes his staff and he goes down and he gets these, uh, these uh, stones. It says... Uh, that he had a sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked at, about and he saw David, he disdained, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of fair countenance. And so he got looking around, and he looked down, and he saw this little guy by the name of David, David, they say Jews in that time were about five foot six. And here was standing before Goliath, who was nine foot nine. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I kind of relate to that because that's what I was for most of my life, five foot six, uh, until I hit 65, then now I'm five, five and a half, if somebody would want to know. I, I just stopped growing up and started growing out. But the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog 
Now, when I would tell that story to my kids, I'd say, am I a puppy dog? That, uh, and they like that. But uh, that thou camest to me with staves and the Philistine cursed David by his gods, his Philistine gods. And the Philistine said unto David, come unto me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with the sword and the spear and the shield, but I am come to thee in the manner of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Wow. He said, this day, this day, <laughs> will the Lord deliver thee out of my hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee <laughs> and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow, this is probably the most famous account, but probably the most misunderstood. See, it's not an account of a boy slaying a giant for God, but it's about a God who knocked down this giant for a boy to slay. That's the way God works sometimes. You see, the application isn't really about the giants that we face but the God who fights our giants. And there are all kinds of them. And some of them are big and hairy-breasted giants that you can stand and you can look them right in the navel and say, back off, buddy. I come to you in the name of the God, the God of gods, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He will be the victor. And so we see this showdown that took place there. And so we find that as David went on and as he threw his stone and where did it land? Right there in his forehead. And the giant came tumbling down. We teach our kids that little song, only a boy named David, only a shepherd boy. Five little stones he took and and he took them and he was slaying. I remember the first time I ever heard this song. I was so impressed. And ran, all these kids knew this song. Uh, round and round and round and round. The one little stone went in the air and pop! The giant came tumbling down. Wow, what a day. What an experience that must have been. I can see the, the, the children of Israel, man, they were running around and, and, and high-fiving and chest-bumping and, and everything you'd probably do in a football game because the, the thing had happened. But remember what David said as we look at his testimony back in verse 47. He said, the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The battle is the Lord. You see, David was not fighting for God, but God was fighting for David. David was not fighting God's 
battle, but God was fighting God's own battle against the people that defied God and worshipped their false gods. And so, I'm going to tell you a secret. You probably already know this, but I'll tell you if you don't know it. This was a fixed fight. <laughs> this was a fixed fight. Goliath never had a chance. He never had a chance because God was on board and God seen and God heard. You see, David didn't kill Goliath for God, but God killed Goliath for David. And really, God just knocked him down. I'm not sure scholars debate whether or not he was dead when he got hit with this thing. Because you go over to verse 57, if you have your, have your Bible close by, I didn't print this one out. But it says, David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. And uh, let's see here. I don't know if that was the right verse. And they took him and he brought him before Saul at the head of the Philistine. <clears throat> so anyhow, somewhere down here it says that David slew him. David slew him. And so, uh, 50, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling of the stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. And so he used, he, what did he do? He got Goliath's sword. Whether he killed him or whether he just finished him off, I don't know. I'll let, uh, we'll find out, I guess, when we meet David and ask him. But we find that David ended up being the victor here. And so David, we find, got the victory, but God got the glory. God got the honor. God got the praise. And really, that's all that David really wanted, wasn't it? God to be glorified. For God to be praised. And that ought to be our object also. Whatever we do, whatever victory we have, whatever giant that we face and overcome, that God would be praised and that God would be glorified because the battle is the Lord's. And you know what I found out is that uh, for the rest of David's life, I, I, we never read of him bragging about killing this giant. He didn't have David the giant slayer written on the back of his leather jacket or put on his stationery. But God became the object of his praise. See, David's focus, David's focus was on the Lord. He said, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, verse 46. I will smite thee, and I'll take your head from you. And I'll give your carcass to the Philistines. But he said, know that there is a God in Israel. And so David's focus was upon God's power. And because of that, he was fearless. And because of that, he was fervent in spirit. And fervent in praise to God. Because of his focus. In conclusion, I know you like that word. This isn't an account about David and Goliath or even us, but God. God, who gets the honor and gets the glory because the battle is his. 
But you know, a thousand years later, Jesus would go and he would face a giant. And his name was Satan. And Jesus won. It wasn't a neck and neck decision. It was a slam dunk victory. As Jesus whipped him on the cross and in the empty tomb. And so today we don't have to run from our giants because Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. He was a descendant of David, the son of Jesse. It's amazing. They both were born in Bethlehem. They both of them were known as shepherds. David literally a shepherd. Jesus said he was the good shepherd. Peter said he was the chief shepherd. And Romans 8, 37, one of our favorite verses of Scripture. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, he said this, May in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Do you know the Savior? Do you know God? You can know God through the person of Jesus Christ. And he will save you and forgive you and deliver you time and time again from all kinds of stuff, all kinds of giants. And sometimes, you know, we look at something that looks very big and it looks very difficult, and we have to realize, you know, that in the eyes of God, it's not big. It's not big. It's kind of like the, the, the two ladies were on the airplane, and one of them looked out, her first time she'd ever flown, and she looked down and she saw all these little things down there, and she told her, her, her friend, she said, uh, Look down there and said, those people look like ants. And the friend looked out the window and she said, well, those are ants, stupid. We hadn't taken off yet. <laughs> and so David looked at Goliath not through the eyes of David. He looked through the eyes of God. And we'll look at our giants and our difficulties and our challenges through the eyes of God. They can become small. And because God of who he is. The battle is his, if we'll let him fight the battle. Would you stand? Father in heaven, we thank you today for your love and your kindness and all that you are to us. We thank you, Father, for this account that you have given us, the great victory that your name would be honored and glorified and praised. And may we today be willing to give you the honor and the praise for every victory that we experience in this life. Pray, Father, today if there be those here that are facing challenges that seem insurmountable, giants that seem bigger than what they can overcome, help them, Lord, today to look through your eyes. Be willing to give you the honor and praise for the, the victory. Let us allow you to do the work and to do the fight because it's your battle that you might be glorified and that you might praise that we would be willing to give it to you. And I pray, Lord, today if there are those here that have never been saved, they, they don't know Jesus, they've never ex experienced the salvation that's in him, that today would be the day they would surrender their heart to him and let him be the Savior that he desires to be forgive their sins and write their name in heaven's book reserve them a place 
for those who are here have never followed you in baptism that today lord that they would come and say i don't want to be ashamed of jesus i want everybody to know that i belong to him perhaps there are those that need to come and unite with the church and say i want to roll up my sleeves and join hands and hearts fight the devil and hate sin serve god you give them the desire to come we might receive them as we can. For those that may have drifted away, become cold and defeated or dragging their cross in the dust and the dirt of the world, may they pick up the cross and may they come back to you, a loving, forgiving God. Renew their vows to you and serve you in a new way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While we sing our song, have you wandered far from God? Why not come home?